we've been the past couple of weeks, what I've been calling foundation Sundays, basically just laying a foundation, some simple practical things of our church, of really the word of God. And um, this morning I'm going to get on a near and dear topic that is near to my heart because this is really at a young age, really how the Lord, I don't know, used this particular topic for me as I was walking through rough seasons in my life. I really found this as a asset to how I connect with the Lord in a deep, intimate way. And this morning I'm talking about worship. Someone say worship is our weapon. Oh, come on. I got three people that believe it. The rest of you are like, huh? What do you say? All right. Read it with me. It's right here on the screen. You can't miss it. Someone say worship is our weapon. All right. Worship is our weapon. That sounded really good. You guys did really, really well. And uh, let's pray this morning and let's dive in. Lord, we love you this morning. Lord, we're grateful to be in your house this morning. Lord, this morning, as we talk about worship is our weapon, let us realize worship is much more than a song we sing. It's much more than a dance we dance. It's much more than even what we think about worship. Lord, worship literally connects to your heart. And Lord, I don't understand why that is, but Lord, as we read scripture and we see the pattern, Lord, there's a beautiful, beautiful intimacy that we have to worship a living God. So Lord, this morning, let our hearts be open, let our minds be open. Lord, feed us from your word. Let people not remember my voice. Let them remember the spirit of God that spoke to them this morning. Lord, we're here for you and we love you. And all God's people say, Amen. come on, all God's people say, Amen. 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 Worship is our weapon. Now, when we think about worship, a lot of times we think about singing songs, and that's a big part of worship. Singing, there, there's, a, there's a part of worship that's very strong in singing, and, and the Bible talks a lot about it. I mean, I'll give you a couple examples just off the top of my head. I don't have these down this morning, but you can write them down to look them up later. Um, there was many acts of worship even in the Old Testament early on. One of the big parts of worship I think about is the, the nation of Israel had just fled captivity out of Egypt. Someone say Egypt. And they came to a big body of water called the Red Sea, all right? And the nation of Israel, or the nation of Egypt said, hey, we want, we want our people back. We need, we need them back. So they start chasing the nation of Israel, and Israel's going crazy, like, we're going to die. And the Lord says, you're about to see me do something amazing. And he splits the Red Sea in half. The people of Israel walk through on dry ground. The Israelites, or sorry, the Egyptians chase them and Boom! The sea encompasses the whole nation of Egypt and their army, and they drowned, but the nation of Israel made it through safety, through it safe, okay? Now, after that event happened, the Bible records that Miriam, Moses' sister, would have been his older sister, starts singing and dancing before the Lord. She starts leading Israel in this beautiful, I mean, you can go and read it, and the Bible says she, they're dancing and they're singing. Someone say singing. And, and like after this great victory, guess what it brought forth? People just rejoicing. You look what the Lord has, right? Like, like we were about to die and he saved me. He tell, right? It's like they are excited. Like he delivered us. So Miriam leads the whole nation of Israel in singing songs before the Lord. It was an act of worship. Worship. They saw God at work and they worshiped God, not because of just what he did, but because who he is, he's a deliverer. Someone say amen. So worship became a part of like the nation's heritage. A guy came along by the name of David. He became a king. And the Bible records he played the harp and he would minister. And when he ministered, there was a king named King Saul before David came king. 
And Saul would be tormented with the evil spirit. And the Bible said David would come into Saul's presence and begin to minister by playing on the harp. And it would, it would, it would bring that spirit and it would bring like peace upon Saul. So worship has an aspect in our life that literally connects us to God like nothing else does. Are you following me this morning? So this is what it should be. Worship should be our first response, not our last resort. See, a lot of times we wait till we feel it, till we sense it, till the right song's being played, and we say, well, that's when I'll worship. But worship is not like this last resort. Like, oh, snap, life's a mess. We're in chaos. We're in confusion. I need to go worship the Lord to get peace in my life. It's sad when that becomes the result of our life. Like worship just becomes the, the, the default only when we're going through terrible times. Worship should be our first response. Someone say first. First response. In, in all of our life, when things are great, we should want to worship God. When things are bad, we should want to still what? Worship God. And what's worship? It's not so much singing songs and lifting our hands. It's adoration to God. It's knowing who he is. And God, I'm, 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 I'm standing in worship and confidence knowing who you are. That you are a God of, of, of great victory. You're a God of might, of power. You're a God that brings peace. Are you with me? And as I start worshiping and declaring out of my mouth who God is, guess what happens? He starts to reveal those things deep into my spirit. And that's what worship is. And so I think about worship being our first response, and I think about something about a first responder. When I say first responder, what do you think about? Maybe a fireman or maybe a police officer, right, or someone. And I think about, I got this picture of a first responder. How many guys know when a fireman's called on the scene and he says, hey, there's a fire, you know, a two-alarm, three-alarm fire. The firemen, they're the first responders for a reason, right? They don't call the local veterinarian clinic and say, hey, there's a fire. Can you guys get down there? The veterinarian clinic would be like, what do you mean? We, we work with animals. Like, we don't respond to fires, right? They don't call like, like someone random saying, hey, there's a fire. When, when a fire is, is there, someone calls 911 and says, help, help, fire. And what does the first responder do? He doesn't get to the burning building and look at it and say, wow, that's, that's, that's bad. That's real bad. He doesn't look at the burning building and say, man, you know, I hope this thing goes out soon. What does he do? He takes action on what's happening. And I like this picture because here's a fireman, you know, as the building's on fire, he's running into the building, taking action. Is anyone there? Is anyone, can I hear voices? Is anyone screaming? Is there anyone in the house? Do I need to save anyone? And I want you to picture this. I just, when worship becomes your first response, you get this heart to understand no matter what's happening in my life, good, bad, ugly, whatever in between, my response isn't to avoid or run away. It's to worship in the midst of it. Are you following me this morning? And when you learn to become a true worshiper, you're not just worshiping on a Sunday morning to songs we sing. Your heart becomes a lifestyle of worship to God. Are you following me? Like you can be in moments of, of, of great panic and learn to worship God. You can be in moments of, of great stress and learn to worship God. You can be in moments of, of feeling grass and learn to worship God. You can be in moments of, of feeling great and, and great victory and joy and things are happy and learn to worship God. Are you with me? It should be your first response. Not, not saying, wow, that looks bad. I need to go the other way. It's looking at it and saying, Lord, I'm here and you brought me thus far and I'm going to worship. Someone say worship. 
Now I'm going to lay a foundation of how worship can be your weapon this morning. I'm going to try to do it very practically, but I, I am going to go a little deep this morning, and I want to try to help you in your walk with the Lord as worship being your weapon. I want to tell you, some of you guys this morning, you've never fully tapped into the atmosphere of worship. You, you see worship as a, as a song we sing or, 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 or a certain thing of, of oh, worship is something. Worship is a whole life. That's why, I'll tell you, there'll be people that come into a service like this and we're singing a song and it may not even pertain to what's going on in their life, but they just come and they fall and they're weeping. and they're Why? Because they're being ministered to the Lord because it's like, wow, what he's done for me. I could care less what we're singing. It's about him. You with me? Worship is, surrounds the throne of God. Right now, as we're down here, worship is going on in heaven. And they're not worshiping each other. They're not worshiping other angels. You know who they're worshiping? God. He's the centerpiece. And when you, when you can learn to see God for who he is, you'll want to worship him with all that you are. Amen? So I want to help you this morning. So Psalms 95. If you've got your Bibles, you can go there with me. If you don't have your Bibles, I brought the big screen this morning so you can follow along with me. This is a Psalm of David. David wrote this Psalms. I want you to, to, to really listen to what it says. There's some great stuff here, and I'm going to help you with some practical points. Um, but this is what David wrote. Psalms 95, verse 1. Someone say, come. Come. That's action, isn't it? Come. Come. Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout. Is there any shouters in the house this morning? Okay. One. Thank you, Jody. Thank you. Come. Let us sing for joy and, and joy for the Lord. Let us shout. Amen. Aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with what? Thanksgiving. And extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God. And the great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his. For he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Come. There's action. Come. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord. Our maker. Man. When you can really understand what this psalm is saying. This will get you excited to understand, to worship a living God. So what's David saying? He says, come, let us what? Let us sing for what? Joy. Let's sing for joy. Why? We're not singing for to impress you. You don't sing to impress your neighbor. When we come to church, you don't sing and lift your hands to say, hey, I'm lifting my hands. Hallelujah. You know, I'm not here. You shouldn't come to impress others. You shouldn't come and, and look around and say, I'm at church today. Isn't that impressive? Listen, you can have that attitude, but that doesn't impress God. You with me? Worship isn't for, for you or for others. It's for, it's for God. There we go. We're getting somewhere. So come, let us worship for joy to the Lord. Not to your neighbor, not to Pastor Jared, not to Ashley, not to anyone else. Let's come and worship for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. So you realize, Lord, I'm worshiping because you brought me out of a place of destruction into a life of thankfulness because, Lord, I should have been dead, but here I am alive. Lord, I could have been lost without you, but you saved me. You with me, worship starts revealing where you were and what God has done for you, and you become thankful. And, and then what it starts doing is it starts going deeper. Because watch what verse C says, for the Lord is the great God and the great King above all the gods. In his hand, someone say in his hand. Think about this. In his hand is the depths of the earth. You're not impressed. Maybe, anyone ever been to the Grand Canyon? A few of you guys have, okay. You've been to the Grand Canyon. Now, when you're staying at the Grand Canyon, are you thinking, wow, that's awfully small. 
Wow, that's awful. I could like put that in my hand. No, you're like, wow. If I fell into that hole, I would be gone. You with me? And the Bible says in his hand is the depths of the earth. Think about that. You're like, wow, he's a big God. Are you with me? Like, like we realize how small we are. So what's, the, what's David getting to? As he's worshiping God, as he's thanking God, as he's coming before the Lord and singing and bowing down and worship to the Lord, his maker, what's it doing? Number one, worship brings revelation. Someone say revelation. When you worship God, it reveals things about God. That's the beautiful thing of worship. Like when you worship God, it's revealing things about him. Listen, when we come in here and we worship, when you worship for other people's approval or opinions, all you're going to do is be satisfied is when they say, great job worshiping today. Cool job. Awesome. I'm glad you're here today. And that's all you get from it. You leave here and you're like, man, I don't, I don't feel very different. I don't feel very encouraged. Because when you live for the applause of people, that's your reward. Are you with me? Think about it. Think about when an athlete, let's say they achieve all that you can achieve in a sport and they live for that and they achieve it all. Everything you could achieve, all the, all the, all the titles, all the affirmation, all the money. I mean, they made it all. They made it big, okay? You follow me this morning. And they get to the place where they've achieved it all and now they're done. And if that's what they live for, what do you do when all the achievements and stuff is done? You with me? And all the money you've had, it, it, money can't buy happiness. Rewards will sit on a shelf and get dusty. Are you following me this morning? I remember when I, when I played football and I played for a couple of years and we won our first MAC championship, which in our division, we were private school. We, we won and we, I think we were down in, um, I think we actually might've been here, Maryland. I, don't, I forget if it was in Virginia or not. And I remember I had, a, I had um, our, our jacket, our leather jacket that had you know, the Maryland Saints on it, which was our team. And we got our first championship patch and we got it sewed on the sleeve. And I'm like, what? I wore it to high school like I'm a MAC championship. We won, the, we won the championship. But then guess what? After a while, it wears off. The jacket ends up in the closet and gets dusty, right? It's like, it's like you did all that you've set out to do, and it feels great for a moment, but then it dies off. Are you, anyone with me? You're with me. So when you live for the accolades of others, it doesn't last. But when you worship God, for who he is, and you begin to honestly come before the Lord, not caring what other people think or who's around you, or, or it doesn't matter who's in your house, or, or pastor, the atmosphere's not right, people are angry in my house, but you, despite everything that comes against you, you worship the Lord. I want to tell you, he begins to reveal things, and it, it can be a very powerful thing. God can start to reveal things in your own heart through worship. He can reveal unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage. I want to tell you, the list goes on. Some of you guys, you have a hard time worshiping because as you start to worship, stuff starts going off in your mind and your heart. You're like, ooh, whoa, what's, ah, what's happening? Worship reveals things. It exposes things. You with me this morning? And that's not a bad thing because God's a holy God. And when you start to worship a holy God, what's the first thing someone who's holy wants to do? He wants to make you like him. And if you're going to become holy, then you have to submit saying, Lord, search me. If, there's, if you're revealing things in my life that aren't holy, then there's a reason why you're doing that. You with me? Jesus said, if you're going to 
offer a, an offering or a sacrifice before the Lord and realize you have a fault or an unforgiveness against someone, leave your gift there for the altar, go and make amends, and then come back. Are you with me? Imagine if we were really worshiping the Lord in a true depth of revelation and God starts revealing us and we say, whoa, I got to pause my worship for a moment. I got someone I need to text real quick. You with me? I've had that happen. I've been in my prayer closet before where I'm praying at my, you know, every house I lived in, I've had a place in that house. Every house I lived in. I had a place in the house that was like my war room and I went there daily to minister with the Lord, just to be with him. When I was a youth pastor at my dad's church, I reserved the whole sanctuary for an hour. <laughs> How you like that? The whole sanctuary was mine in the morning. I'd get there before people would show up for work and um, I'd pace all through those chairs and all through, I mean, I wore that carpet out, man. It was just, it was a place where I could meet with the Lord and worship. And there'd be times the Lord, when I'm worshiping, I would just like, Lord, where are you? I can't sense you. I can't feel you. Where are you, Lord? Where are you? And next thing you know, I just start pressing through and the Lord brings up something. And I remember one time, so specifically, I was walking in and through that church and worshiping. I'm like, man, Lord, it feels so stale and dull today. What's going on? I'm opening my Bible and reading. I'm like, Lord, why are you speaking? Lord, where are you? And I'll never forget, as I'm pacing, boom, the Lord slammed someone into my spirit and said, last week, you were talking about this person. And that wasn't right. And I started getting so overwhelmed with conviction. And I mean, I just remember the conversation, remember what I said. I was like, whoa, whoa, Lord, whoa. You know what I mean, like, whoa, Lord, you can stop that right now. <laughs> Paul, stop. And the Lord just downloading all this stuff. And I remember I just closed my Bible. And I sat on the, the edge of the platform and I was just like in conviction mode. Now, what I did with it, I could have said, well, Lord, forgive me. It's in the past. Or I can realize the Lord was revealing that for a purpose. Are you with me? So what I do? Humbled myself, <laughs> and I had to make a phone call. And the person, I think if I remember correctly, correctly didn't answer, and I left a voicemail. And I just told the person, hey, you know, I need to apologize to you. A conversation came up, and your name was mentioned, and I said some things that weren't right. You weren't there to defend yourself. And so I just want to apologize, and if you want to call me back, I would greatly, you know. And I, I remember just, and I remember after I was done that voicemail, it's like the Spirit of the Lord started to say, now you're becoming more like me. Now I can. You with me? It's like you have to lay a foundation for the Lord to come and minister to you. A lot of times we want to just, you come as you are, but then God doesn't want to leave you as you are. Are you with me? God will start to wipe some things out of you. It's like your car. I took my wife to get her van's oil changed for the first time. And I didn't take it into the, to the mechanic to say, hey, I like it how it is. Just leave everything as it is. Just look at it and give it a good tap on the back and bring it back to me. No, I brought it in because it needs work. You with me? It needs oil change. Fix the oil. Put new oil on it, right? How would you like it? If they're like, it's all good. How's the oil? Oh, we just left it in there. Still in there. It's good. It'll be all right. <laughs> it ain't going to be all right. It needs new oil. You with me? That's what God wants to do in worship. He starts revealing stuff that you can become like him. How many guys want to be like Jesus? I want to be. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be a reflection of him. David said, come, let us sing for joy. Let us aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come. And then what does David start doing? God starts revealing to David who I am. I got the depths of the earth in my hand. You with me? It starts, he starts seeing who God is, this mighty, powerful, great God. So worship brings revelation. Look what 1 Corinthians 14 says. How is it, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things, someone say all things. all things. All things be done for edification. 
Now, it's interesting because you'll go to some churches, they won't believe in, in a lot of what was spoken right here. And this is Paul writing to a church in Corinth, basically saying they were doing stuff a lot of out of order. Like they were letting things get out of hand. People were just coming to a meeting, doing whatever they wanted. And Paul said there has to be order to it. But there's, there's certain things that need to be done in the meeting. And man, we need to get serious about our walk with the Lord, where our meetings need to look more like the New Testament meetings. We, we make them more like our preference. Like I go to a church because I like the way this style or the way they do it. And it's sad because the New Testament didn't have denominations, didn't have styles. They had the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And that made up the church. The Holy Spirit was there. And how did you know the Holy Spirit was there? Watch this. Because they're, they're singing Psalms together. They're teaching the word of God. There's tongues, there's revelation, there's interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So notice, even in a typical meeting, Paul says, there's going to be a revelation. Someone say revelation. People are going to get revealed to them things. Lord, send back that again in the church. Amen. Let our church meetings not just be for our own edification. Let it be that we can understand there is deep revelation to be revealed if we come hungry. Amen. Man, if you, uh, I encourage you, read through Corinthians. Wonderful stuff in there. Oh, God. So number one, worship brings what? Revelation. Revelation. Number two, worship is a action. Worship is, see, a lot of people think of worship as, you know, cool, someone sings a song to me. Worship's not for you, it's for God. It, and it, it reveals things in your heart. But worship is action. I, w- I want to fly through some of these verses. And Luke, you can help me out here. We can go to the first one there. I think it is Isaiah 12, 5. Watch this. Sing to the Lord. For he has done what? Glorious things. Let, uh, let this be known to all the world. So what's it saying, Isaiah? Sing to the Lord. Why do we sing? Well, sing to the Lord for he's done glorious things. Has he done glorious things for you? Okay, no one on this side. Has God done glorious things? Okay, there we go. This side's awake, all right? If he's done glorious things, Isaiah's saying, sing to him. And there's places you go and you'll be like, man, God must have did nothing for anyone. Because no one sings. You with me? I remember I was at a church one time and I was like, it was me and my family, no one's singing. And I'm like, man, we left and I'm like, man, kind of discouraged. I'm like, man, God, dad, you know, I don't, I don't sing good. And he's like, well, you know, they just necessarily don't really believe in singing. They, they allow the people on stage to sing, but they don't. And I remember thinking, and I wasn't thinking about this verse in particular, but I remember thinking like, man, do they have the same Bible I have? Like, like the Bible's clear, man. When we sing our praises to God, Number one, it's not to get something from it. It's because of who he is. You with me? Sing to the Lord because he's what? Done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. So how will the world know he's done glorious things? People should walk into this church and they should see people not just singing because Pastor Jared said this thing. They should sing because, man, he's done glorious things in my life. And when people come through here that are broken and depressed and heartached and, and, and discouraged and they see a people of God singing to the, the glory of God, guess what happens? Their countenance gets lifted. You with me? It can be a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. Watch this. Hebrews 13, I think is the next one. Through Jesus. Someone say through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. What's the sacrifice of praise? The fruit of our... All right, we got to wake up this morning. What's the sacrifice of praise? The fruit of our lips. Not the fruit of the loom. The fruit of our lips that openly profess what? His name. So now it gets deeper. It's not just about coming in and praising God corporately, but now this is the life we live. 
Through Jesus, anyone in Jesus this morning, anyone been covered by his blood, been, come on, anyone in here, been sanctified by the Lord, been made new, the old is gone, the new has come. If that's you, therefore, the writer of Hebrews says, let us continually, not in church, not on a Monday, not on a Friday because the workday is over, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. And what's that sacrifice of praise? The fruit of our lips, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his Name. Come on, there can be worship coming forth as you're talking. Maybe some of you guys have a hard time worshiping God because your lips, the action of your lips doesn't bring God glory. The gossip, ooh, of your lips, ooh. The profanity of your, ooh. Are you following, you, you going where I'm going this morning? I told you, I'll make it up in your grill a little bit. I'm not here to, I'm not here to, to bash you or to harm you. I'm here to just say, if we want to worship God in spirit and truth, there's action behind it. Because I, listen, I've been in church a long time. I've seen many people profess God and by that same mouth, use his name in vain, use it to bash others, use it to talk about people. And you with me? When you, when you worship God out of that mouth, there's not this like second part of you that then does what you want. When you're really worshiping God, now your mouth is singing glorious praise. Man, when you're living a life through Jesus, your mouth can't help it. I mean, I've been in, you with me, ever been in places and, and it's so, I mean, I remember sometimes it'd be movies we watched. I remember, um, and uh, I'll, I'll tell the story. I remember, uh, it doesn't involve you. I remember back when I was early, early youth pastor days, um, there was uh, a loving guy. I love him to death. And uh, he felt so bad for me because I wasn't dating anyone. I told him, hey, I'm not interested. I'm not dating anyone. He said, man, you're a young guy. You need a date. You need to find a good godly woman. And I'm like, oh, man. So he hooked me up with this girl. Beautiful, you know, just, just beautiful hearted lady. But like, I knew it wasn't right, but I just felt bad for the guy because he, he made it all work. So I was like, you know what? All right, fine, I'll, I'll go out. So I was like, the best thing to do would just be to go to a movie. So then I don't have to talk. We can just watch a movie. And you with me like, I'm like, we go to a movie. I could say I, did. I went out with her and then it could be it, right? So we went to a movie and there wasn't, I, I mean, I, we just kind of showed up. I'm like, what's playing? I, I had no idea. Like I didn't even do any background or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's like the worst date ever. It's like, I don't know. Does that look good? That, I don't know. So we went to this movie and it was like the worst movie ever. And I remember like the like first like two minutes, it was like just terrible, the words. And I remember like, I felt so bad. I'm like convicted. I looked at her and I'm like, I gotta leave. You know what I mean? She looks at me like, me too. And so we left. It was the worst date ever. Um, like, you know what I'm saying? You want the, the worst date ever. But anyway, I remember like in my heart just feeling like, man, this, like my life is meant to glorify God. And I can't just sit through something and just let them just boom, boom, boom. And just sit there and say, well, it's okay. It's okay. It'll get better. It ain't getting better. It's getting worse. You know what I'm saying? Like God, God wants the fruit of your heart and your lips to glorify him. And the more you allow that to be desensitized, the less you even get actively involved in really worshiping him. Because you're desensitized. You with me? You're desensitized. So when you try to worship God, you're like, why, why is it nothing happening? Well, maybe check the softness of your heart. Maybe there's things that got desensitized. See, worship's an action. It, it brings forth a glorious thing to God. And when you're worshiping him and you're bringing that action before him, it does something. But here's the thing. You can allow things in that hinder that worship. Are you following me this morning? 
And you got to protect that at all costs. Look what, look what 1 Chronicles says. I think this is my next one, Luke. I think, I think it is. Yeah, perfect. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of what? His holiness. So you're worshiping the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. What's holiness? Set apart. There's no one like God. There's no sin in heaven. God's not up there back-talking you. God's not up there gossiping about this. God's not up there glorifying sin. God is holy. And those who worship him, they worship him in the splendor of his holiness. So what is it saying? Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. So you're coming before him, understanding who he is. And the action of coming before him is, Lord, creating me a pure heart. Is there things I've done and allowed and put in me that need to get flushed out? You with me? Worship's not about a feeling. We live in a culture that's all about feelings. You with me? Act on what you feel. And that's dangerous, right? Act on what you feel. You feel a certain way, do it. If I feel like being a dog tomorrow, does that mean I'm a dog? No. But culture would say, do what you feel. And the problem that's wrong with that is culture didn't make you. You with me? CNN, Fox, whatever, Glamouroid magazine, whatever, they didn't make you. So why do we let them define us? You with me? We read stuff and we're like, oh, that looks cool. You know, like I, I talked about last week, right? The, 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 the person who's trying to feel 18 again and they spent millions of dollars just feeling 18 again. Wow. But you're not. <laughs> you with me? You can try to put all the stuff you want into it, right? I'm 32 years old. I can try to go back and, and be five years old again. I, there's no, I can't do it. You're with me. But culture just says, like, you feel it, you try to do it. And that's dangerous because feelings will lead you wrong. You with me? Feelings will lead you wrong. Like I told you earlier, there's days I don't feel like getting out of bed. So if I act on that feeling and just start sleeping all day, every day, I mean, eventually it's going to be pretty bad. Like feelings will lead you wrong. So you have to be careful that worship is not just about a feeling. There's times where you worship the Lord and sing and lift your hands in adoration to God, not because you feel it, but because, Lord, you're worthy of my praise even when I don't feel it. Are you with me? You push through in those moments. You push through. Don't let culture try to say, well, you feel it, you do it. Some people, I don't feel like going to church today. Just don't feel it. Well, see how that goes in a couple years. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, Pastor, I don't, I don't feel like reading my Bible today. Well, it's an action. You got to take action if you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's interesting. Like I said earlier, take that same attitude to your job and watch how long you have a job. You with me? Take that same attitude to your house and see how long your house will hold up. I just don't feel like repairing the roof. Oh, it's leaking bad, but I just, I don't feel like calling someone. We'll leave it. Well, that roof's about to be on your head in a couple weeks. You with me? Oh, well, why is the roof on your head? I just didn't feel like messing with it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you got to press in and press through. And I want to tell you, when you realize worship is much more than just feeling, but it's this action of coming before the Lord and giving him the worship, do him. You with me? Worship's not for you, it's for him. And as you worship him, I want to tell you, something glorious happens in you. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But don't go off of a feeling. Are you following me this morning? Number three, 
This is a tough one. Vision problems right there. I told you it's tough. And that phone believes me. Worship brings humility. Let's stop here, pastor, and pray. Let's go home. All right, Lord, no. Worship brings humility. The hardest part of coming before the Lord is humbling yourself in worship. Because we like to play ownership of our life. We like to take ownership of our life. And the Bible's clear that Jesus even said, if you want to come to the Lord, you have to first lose your life. Then you'll really find it. And what's humility? Humility is not like downgrading yourself. It's simply thinking of yourself less. You with me? We think of ourselves so much. And that's what culture does. It Think about you and the glamorous you. And I'm not saying don't take care of yourself and, you know, please take care of yourself and, 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 and do those things. But humility is understanding God is much bigger than me. There's not enough money in the world that I can outmake God. There's not enough weights in the world I can get stronger than God. There's not enough happiness I can fill this life with in me that I'll be more happier than God. That's all lies. And when you come humbly before God, you realize that, Lord, it's not about me. It's about you. And here's what I want to hang on this point for a few moments, and then we're going to go to point four. I'm going to bring this plane in for landing. How God wants to be loved, not how you want to love God. This is big. This is big. Did you know God has a way that he wants to be loved? And I, I'm going I'm to twist some people this morning. They're going to be like, ooh, what do you mean God wants to be loved a certain way? Ooh. I'll give you an example, okay? My wife, um, you know, her and I are different in areas. And there's certain ways that she likes to be loved, where she feels loved the most. Are you with me? So imagine if I knew that, but then I avoided those avenues at all costs. So let's say Valentine's Day is coming up right Tuesday. And let's say I knew what woos her, and what moves her heart. And I'm like, I ain't doing any of that. Then guess what? She's not really going to feel, yeah, I, I may do some stuff that can arouse love, but there's certain things that move her. Are you following me? Like, like they're, they're intimate gestures that I know of that, that, you know what I'm saying? Like she loves certain flowers that you may not know she likes, but I know. You know, with me, there's certain things that, that just woo her. And man, if I want to get close to her and, and, and show her, man, I love you, babe. Guess what? I'm going to get her her favorite flowers and they're hard to find. I, I found one place that sells them and I got to reserve my own flowers for that. You know what I'm saying? Make my reservation every year. Certain chocolate she likes. They woo her. You know what I'm saying? You don't just go up and show her and get her caramel chocolate. She won't like it. But there's certain chocolate she does like that woo her. Are you following where I'm going with this? There's certain things that she likes that move her. Now, th- think about this. God's the same way. We try to come before God and say, ah, oh, I can just come however I want and do whatever I want, and God will be moved. No, that's wrong. And humility is the first place you need to understand. The Lord, the Lord delights in a broken, contrite spirit. Not a spirit of haughtiness, a spirit of pride, a spirit of, oh, I'll do it how I want. And that's what's hard in worship sometimes. People come into a place and they, and they, they come with their own agenda, with their own preference. And God says, 
I work with someone who just simply says, God, I'm here for you. You with me? I walk into churches. Me and my wife, we travel, um, you know, quite a bit throughout a year, and we go to different places. And there's different styles. I mean, we'll go to some churches, and I'll preach there, and all they do is sing hymns, and that's fine. Other churches, all they do is sing contemporary. Other churches, this or that. And it's not about the preference. It's simply about this. Is the Lord there? You with me? There's only two types of churches. One's the Lord's there. The other one, he's not. Are you following me? So the first thing I do when I walk into a building isn't, wow, this is an old building, or wow, they're singing an old song. You know what the first thing I do is, is I'll try to do this pretty much everywhere I'll go. I'll, the chair I'm sitting in, I'll turn around in that chair, and I kneel, and I do this pretty much everywhere I go, if I'm speaking somewhere. And what I'll do is I, I bury my head in that chair. And what I do is I get before the Lord. And I said, Lord, today I'm not here for a song. I'm not here for a building. I'm not here for a people. Lord, I'm here on assignment for you. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And Lord, let today, let what I say please you. And I'll just begin to minister to the Lord. And when I'm done with that, I'll get up from the seat, turn around. And I'll tell you, there have been times where, where there's been some churches, they're singing some old time songs that I don't even know. And I know some pretty old, I'm young, but I know some old songs. I grew up Pentecostal church. I mean, I can, I can go way back with you. All right. We can, we can go way back together. All right. And they're singing. And I remember there was this one church, this is before we got married. They asked me to come and, man, they're going deep into some old songs. And I'm trying to keep up, but they didn't have the, the, the lyrics like we do, right? So I'm just, <laughs> but, but I remember I lifted my hands and the spirit of God was so strong in that place. And I remember I just began to cry. And I remember I was just thinking like, Lord, I don't even know this song. But Lord, I, you're here. You're with, are you following what I'm saying? Like the presence of God isn't about the preference. It's about, Lord, you're here. And Lord, because you're here, you're magnified. Are you, you following what I'm saying? Like, I want you to tap into the spirit of God wherever you go. I don't want you to be limited because, you know, oh, well, my church, they sing these songs. And hey, Pastor Jared, I'm away on vacation. I'm visiting this song. They don't sing the songs. It's not about that. It's about the one we're worshiping. You with me? And if they're worshiping the God we worship, you can tap into his spirit. Are you following me this morning? Lord, let it be. God, let us be revealed this morning how you want to be worshiped and loved, not how we want to love you. But Lord, it's, it's how you want to be loved and adored. I'm reading through the Bible right now, and I've been going through the Old Testament. It's interesting how God set up in the early Old Covenant a certain way in which the nation of Israel would worship him. And he did it because they were going to go and take over land that had foreign gods, and they worshiped that God a certain way. Are you with me? So God said, I don't want you to get into that foreign land and you start taking on their practices because you're going to start to look like them and I'm going to pull away from you. So this is how I will be worshiped. And when you worship me in this way, guess what? You're going to be different and look different than everyone else, and that's not for their glory. It's for, it's for me coming and being among you. Are you with me? So you need to be careful as you're out in the world and out in the things that you don't start adapting your preferences in the house of God, in the things of God. You need to take this word, get it in your heart, and let the fruit of your lips become a place of humility saying, God, I want what you want. Not what I feel, not what I desire, not what Pastor Jared desires, not what the church down the street desires, not what that. Are you, are you following where I'm going with this? God, what you want. Amen? I'm going to read this real fast. I'm moving right along. We're ending the plane. James 4. You adulterous people. Wow, this is a great verse, Pastor. I love it. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> Tough crowd, I'm telling you. Lord, help us. 
Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he calls to dwell in? So think about it. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you. Someone point like this at you and say, the spirit of God lives in me if you're saved. So that means God jealously longs for that spirit that's in you to connect with him. He doesn't want anything to get in the way of that. He doesn't want anything to stand in the way. And our pride can be a big hindrance for God to connect. Are you following me? Okay. All right, I'll keep reading because I can tell I'm hitting some sore thumbs here this morning. It's okay. The Lord's doing his thing. Verse six, but he gives us more grace. That is why scripture said God God opposes the proud, but what? Shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your, hand, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will what? Lift you up. Now, James isn't writing to the world. He's actually writing to a church people. That's some big stuff, isn't it? Deep stuff. So he's saying we need to guard the heart when you worship. You need to guard it when you serve the Lord because you can get in the way of your worship to God. Woo. Be careful. And I say this out of love because I've been in my own way before. The reason why I do what I do is because I spoke at churches early on as a youth pastor and I would go to these large youth conferences and we were at this one fall retreat and they asked me to preach. And I remember the worship was vibing, man. They had light. It was vibing, man. It was vibing. I could feel it, man. The kids were on fire. I mean, they were jumping, dancing. I remember I got up there and I grabbed that mic and man, I just was all around preaching my heart out. I remember I sat down and I felt so good. I was like, whew, I feel good. I was sweating. I was like, man, what an awesome night. The kids were, ah. I remember I went back to my cabin that night and the Lord just like slammed me. He's like, did that feel good? I'm like, yeah, that was amazing. Wow. And I remember got so convicted because I went to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is, is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And I read about how the Pharisees would do their good deeds in front of people. And the reward they had was the applause that people gave them. That was all their reward. There was no reward for them in heaven. It was the reward on earth. And I remember as I read that, the Lord started to speak well, you got your reward tonight, didn't you? And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Huh. Like my reward wasn't pleasing God. It was what? Pleasing the students. It was making them excited and, and energizing them. It wasn't about what did the Lord really want to do that night? I remember that changed the whole course of my trajectory of how I led, man, because that, that convicted me to the core. Like, wow, a bunch of hundred students, you know, pumped and excited. But did they really connect with a living God or did they just connect with a fun, cool little... Are you following me this morning? Humble yourself before the Lord. He'll help you. He'll guide you. Last but not least, I'm ending. Babe, you can come up. Or you know what? I'll do one. Um, you want me to do a track so we can pray with people? Is that cool? Is that fun? All right. Number four, worship costs you something. I'm going to breeze through it because I'm, 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 we're closing right here. Getting ready for Sister It's Sunday, all the things God wants to do. I'm going to paraphrase this. You can go read it. It's in Matthew 26. Actually, I think I got the verses up here, but I'm not going to read it. You can jot this verse down, read it later today. I want you to read the whole thing. You can read more than what's here. But 
A woman from Bethany comes and anoints Jesus' feet. Actually, not just his feet. He, he, she anoints his whole body. This is, most scholars believe, a week before he would go to the cross. So Jesus is at someone's house. And later we would find out in another gospel, I think it's the Gospel of John, all four gospels record this story, which is rare. Because there's the synoptic gospels, the three gospels that are pretty similar. And then there's John's gospel that's different than the other three gospels. But they all kind of record similar stories. But it's rare to find all four gospels that have the same story all four times. Because they're all written to different people. Different, are you with me? Like They're highlighting certain things about Jesus' ministry. John said it the best. He said if we would record everything Jesus did, the books of the world couldn't even hold it all. Are you with me? Because there was so much Jesus did. So... This story is recorded all four Gospels. Someone say all four. So that, that's pretty big if this story made it in all four. So long story short, Mary comes in, anoints Jesus' head with oil. It's this beautiful act of worship. He's in a house and the, some of the disciples are like, whoa, that was expensive, fragrant oil she used. She could have sold that and used it for the poor. And Jesus, knowing their heart, said, you all will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me among you. And he said, she anointed me, preparing me for my burial. But So Mary anoints like this, frag I mean, this fragrant oil that most scholars would believe probably cost a whole year's wages. She brings this oil and pours it on the head of Jesus, and it pours all down him. Now, I'm going to give some backstory, and I'm going to pray. If you got to go, you got to go. I love you. Um, I was doing some research this week because I preached this story many times. I never saw it this way before. I want to help you in your worship. So Mary comes into the room, anoints. Now, perfume has weights, okay? Like if you go and you buy, like, like there's a certain, um, you know, perfumes that you may like. There's a very expensive fragrance that I like, that, that's, that I really like. It's very expensive and I don't get it often, if ever. My uncle gave it to me one time when I was young and I fell in love with it. And there's only like one store you can buy it from and it's expensive. I think we went to go look at it one time and we're like, oh yeah, we, we ain't buying that. I mean, just like a little veil of it. But here's the difference. The perfume, I, or the, the, the fragrance I wear all the time, <laughs> the fragrance I wear all the time isn't as expensive as that. So you have to put a lot more on to keep it. But this expensive stuff, I remember one time I sprayed like a little, I sprayed like three hits of it on a shirt. And all day long, people are like, whoa, what is that? I'm like, you know, oh, it's this. And they're like, wow, that stuff's strong. I'm like, really? I just, you know, kind of sprayed three things of it on me. Like, wow. I remember like I got to the end of the day and they're like, bro, what did you put on you? I'm like, and it's not that they're making fun of like, they're just that strong because costly perfume lasts a lot longer than a bottle of Axe. Are you with me? It's two different categories. The perfume in which um, someone would wear, uh, for instance, that cost a year's wages that she would pour over Jesus' head, that would linger on him. So think about this. I want, I want to take you. So back in Jesus' day, they didn't take baths and showers every day, okay? Hate to break it to you. They just couldn't. And Jesus moved a lot. So he wasn't always bathing every day. So as I was reading up on this and thinking, and, and as I was digesting more of the story is, so Mary anoints Jesus' head with oil all the way to his feet. That fragrance if this was a week before his burial, would have stuck with him all the way to the cross when he was hanging. Think about this for a moment. He's hanging on the cross, cross for every breath. The soldiers are mocking and making fun of him. And just as he's taking the next breath, he smells that perfume. Think about this. And he remembers the cost of worship that someone had for him. And every breath he has, he thinks that there are people who will worship, even despite what these people are saying about. Are you with me? 
that worship lingered. It will cost you something, but it will linger to the Lord. Are you with me? Will you bow and close your eyes? I want to pray with you. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your love and kindness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, let us realize that, man, we can linger in worship. And though it may cost us something, Lord, it's doing something to your heart that we may not see right away. Lord, I was thinking about this story of Mary poured out her very best to you. And then the moment, Lord, where you're dying on a cross and gasping for every breath and hanging on for every breath, the Bible would talk about that. You know, Jesus died on that cross. But man, did that perfume probably linger with him. Lord, let us never take our worship for granted. Let us never just become objects of worship during a service. Lord, let it become more deeper. Lord, I pray today that people's hearts would be ministered to in a deep and effective way to worship. Here's what I want to do this morning. If you got to go, if you're going to be a part of sisterhood, you're free to go. If you need prayer this morning, and if this word was ministering to you and you say, Pastor, I just want to lock in, I want to challenge you. I want to pray for you. Man, this is this was big in my heart. I know I went a little bit over. I was trying to end a little bit early for sisterhood, but man, if you could catch, I, I pray you go home and read that story of, of Mary and think about that. The week before he would be betrayed and hung on a cross, she anoints him and that fragrance sticks with him. Wow, powerful. I love you. God bless you. If you want prayer this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to minister to you. If you're a lady, don't miss out on sisterhood Sunday. And um, I love you. I love you.